Greetings, and welcome to Blue Stocking, the podcast for people who love to learn but don't always have time to study. I'm your host, Rory Roberts, and I do apologize for not releasing an episode on the 11th, but I think I'm about to make up for it in the next couple of days, so bear with me if you will. Today's episode came to me in a roundabout way and is loosely inspired by my daily horoscope, aka the dictionary.com word of the day. Yes, you heard that correctly. I totally take to heart the word of the day put out by one of my favorite apps because I found that it usually can in some way relate to what I'm going through at the moment. That's not mere coincidence. I know they put some thought into the words they choose each day. For example, on March 8th, International Women's Day, the word of the day was Minerva, a woman of great wisdom. As for the origin of the word, the Roman goddess Minerva is so completely identified with the Greek goddess Athena that it is difficult to discern what is native to Minerva was a native Italian goddess of handicrafts, hence easily identified with Athena in that respect. The name Minerva may be of Indo-European origin from the root men to think slash bear in mind, source of English mind, Latin memini, I remember, and Greek mentor, a proper name meaning advisor. The original Latin name will have been Meneswa, intelligent wise woman, related to Sanskrit Manasvin, wise, and Manasvini, the name of the mother of the moon. Alternatively, Meneswa may mean woman who measures the phases of the moon, from the Proto-Indo-European root me to measure, source of English meal, a Germanic word, as in piecemeal measure, from Latin, and Greek metron, measure, the source of the English suffix meter, among other words. English in the Old English period, the sense wise woman dates from the late 18th century. My first thought, apart from taking it as a sign that I was about to have a very good day, which I did, thank you very much, was that clearly that's why J.K. Rowling gave Professor McGonagall a name like Minerva. One of these days I'll have to try to tackle the brilliance that is Ms. Rowling for an episode, but for now I'll just continue to casually admire her work and be thankful that her gifts have introduced so many, young and old, to the magic of reading for pleasure. In the meantime, I was reminded the other day while watching a play to look up the origin of the word pander. The thought had first occurred to me in July of 2016 while watching the Shakespeare in the Park production of Troilus and Cresta, which incidentally was brilliant. One character tells our hero and heroine that if he proves false and their love is not true, his name should go down in history as a pimp. Talk about a spoiler alert. That's like putting Sean Bean in a movie or TV series. You know he's going to die horrifically. Anyway, here are some more eponyms from the dailywritingtips.com website. 30 words inspired by 29 people and an elephant by Maeve Maddox. Thousands of English words may be classed as eponyms, words derived from proper names. Many eponyms derive from deliberate choices to call a product, invention, or scientific discovery after the person most closely associated with it, for example, macadam, guillotine, pasteurization. Sometimes scientific terms are coined to honor a famous person or a friend, for example, Watt, 
Om, and Dahlia. Other eponyms derive from characters in fiction, mythology, or geographical locations, for example, Rambo, Hermaphrodite, Marathon. Eponyms I find especially interesting are those that derive not from a deliberate naming process, but from distinctive associations with specific individuals. Here are 30 eponyms that owe their existence to something, physical features, manner of dress, writing style, profession, or behavior, associated with specific people, and one elephant. The people. Bodlerize. To remove sexually offensive words or passages from a written work before publishing it. From Thomas Bowdler, who published an edition of Shakespeare that left out such things as the porter scene in Macbeth. As preposterous as the idea may seem now, it was a boon to women who had previously been deterred from reading the plays by their parents, husbands, or dread of social disapproval. Boycott. Refuse to do business with someone. From Charles C. Boycott, the Irish land agent for an absentee landlord. Boycott refused to conform to land reform supported by the Irish Land League. The League acted against Boycott by preventing his access to stores, postal service, and other economic necessities. Boycotting is an important tool in campaigns of passive resistance to unjust social conditions. Cardigan Style of sweater that opens at the front. From James Thomas Cardigan, James Th- Thomas Brudenell, 7th Earl of Cardigan, who is said to have worn a knitted waistcoat to keep warm on campaign. He was one of the commanders in the field on the day of the fatal charge of the Light Brigade in the Crimean War. Casanova. This is one of those many euphemisms for a man who preys on women. One definition is a man gallantly attentive to women. Others are promiscuous man or philanderer. From Giacomo Jacopo Hiralamo Casanova de Signon, uh, an Italian adventurer who wrote a memoir in which he bragged about his conquests. Uh, side note, another euphemism for such a man is Lothario, which comes from a character talked about in Don Quixote by uh, Cervantes. Um, chauvinism fanatical patriotism or an intense belief in the superiority of one's own gender group or kind from Nicholas Chauvin a soldier in Napoleon's army who was a byword for stubborn loyalty to Napoleon's empire long after Napoleon's defeat male chauvinism is the belief that men are congenitally superior to women and therefore have the right to set the standards for acceptable female behavior the adjective is chauvinistic c-section which is a shortening of cesarean section a medical procedure in which a child is delivered by being cut from the mother's womb Tradition traces the word to the belief that Roman dictator Julius Caesar was so born However, Roman doctors performed the procedure to save a child when the mother died before completing delivery. Julius Caesar's mother, Aurelia Cotta, lived to raise her granddaughter. The word Caesarian for the medical procedure may have more to do with the family name Caesar than with Aurelia's son. Caesar comes from Latin, Latin Caesus, past participle of cadere, to cut. Gerrymandering 
practice of dividing voting districts to give unfair advantage to one party. From Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Jerry, the shape of one of the voting districts suggested the body of a salamander, prompting a staffer at the Boston Gazette to coin the word gerrymander. Leotard. Tights worn for dancing. From Jules Leotard, French acrobatic performer who was the inspiration for the 1867 song, The Daring Young Man on the Flying Trapeze. Luddite, an opponent of technological progress. From Ned Ludd, an English laborer who was supposed to have destroyed weaving machinery around 1779. Later on, from 1811 to 1816, a band of weavers calling themselves Luddites destroyed machinery in the Midlands and Northern England. Lynch. Originally, lynching meant any kind of impromptu justice, chiefly flogging. Now, it means to hang someone in a mob frenzy without a trial. From William Lynch, the author of Lynch's Law. The law was in agreement with the with the Virginia General Assembly in 1782 that allowed Lynch to capture and punish criminals in Pittsylvania County without trial. The county lacked official courts. Machiavellian Characterized by expediency, self-interest, and deceit. From Niccolo Machiavelli, Italian political theorist who wrote The Prince. In it, Machiavelli argues that the most effective way for men and governments to achieve and maintain power is to act without regard to moral considerations. May West, a type of inflatable life jacket, named for buxom U.S. film star May West. Marseille, a hairstyle characterized by deep regular waves made by a heated curling iron named for Francois Marseille, 19th century French hairdresser who invented the process in 1872. Can be used as a verb. Martinet, a military officer who demands strict obedience to regulations. By extension, anyone who demands absolute adherence to forms and rules. Coined from the name of Colonel Jean Martinet, a French drill master during the reign of Louis XIV. Masochism, sexual pleasure in being hurt or abused, coined in 1883 by German neurologist Richard von Kraft Ebbing from the name of Leopold von Sackermassack. Sorry, uh, Sackermassack was an Austrian novelist who wrote Venus in Furs, a novella about a man who enjoys submissive relationships with cruel women. The adjective is masochistic. McCarthyism, the practice of accusing people of political disloyalty without evidence, the use of unfair investigation methods to suppress opposition. From U.S. Senator Joe McCarthy, playwright Arthur Miller allegorized McCarthy and his methods in The Crucible, a drama about the 1692 witch hunt and hangings in Salem, Massachusetts. Mirandize, to read the legal rights to a suspect arrested on a criminal charge from Ernesto A. Miranda, a laborer whose conviction on kidnapping, rape, and armed robbery was overturned because arresting officers had failed to inform him of his legal rights. Here's the rest of the story. 
Ernesto Miranda was retried after his conviction was overturned by the Supreme Court. In his second trial, his confession was not presented. Nevertheless, he was again convicted of kidnapping and rape based on other evidence. He served 11 years in prison before being paroled in 1972. After his release from prison, he made money by selling Miranda Wright's cards with his signature on them. In 1976, at the age of 34, he was stabbed to death in a bar fight. The man suspected of killing him invoked his Miranda rights and refused to talk to police. He was released and never charged with Miranda's murder. Uh, side note, I would love to hear a dollop about that. If you do not listen to the dollop, it is a uh, bi-weekly American history podcast wherein one comedian, Dave Anthony, tells a story from American history to his friend, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. It is brilliant. I have learned so much. Uh, but a heads up, it is also rather crass, so maybe don't listen to it around your mother while you're in the car driving to Easter lunch. Um, that didn't happen to me. What are you talking about? Back to our eponyms. Oscar, a statuette awarded for excellence in film acting, directing, etc., given annually since 1928 by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The name Oscar was first applied to the statuette in 1936. The story is that Margaret Herrick, the Academy's librarian, reacted to her first look at the statuette with the remark, He reminds me of my uncle Oscar. Her uncle was Oscar Pierce, U.S. wheat farmer and fruit grower. Pompadour a hairstyle in which the front of the hair is swept up and back in a large roll. Named for Jean-Antoinette Poisson, Marquis de Pompadour, mistress of Louis XV. A masculine version of the pompadour brushes the hair up from the forehead. Ponzi scheme. An investment scam by which early investors are paid off from the... Con from the contributions of later ones, named for Charles Ponzi, who perpetrated such a scam from 1919 to 1920. The name Ponzi may be eclipsed by that of Madoff to describe such a scheme. Ponzi's scheme netted only a few million dollars. Bernard Madoff stole $50 billion from his investors over a period of several decades. Quisling traitor, turncoat, enemy collaborator, from Vidkund Quisling, a Norwegian politician who headed a puppet government for the Nazis during the World War II occupation of Norway. Ouch. Raglan, having or being a sleeve that extends in one piece to the neckline of the garment with slanted seams from the armhole to the neck. Named for Fitzroy James Henry Somerset, first Baron Raglan, who was minus an arm. The special type of sleeve made his jacket fit better, usually seen in the phrase Raglan sleeve. Reaganomics, the economic policies of tax cutting and deficit spending, named for Ronald Reagan, U.S. President from, eight, from 1981 to 1989. Another side note, uh, comedian Dave Anthony, who is one of the hosts of the Dollop podcast, has been tweeting quotes and facts about Reagan for the last several weeks. I'm really hoping he does an episode about him. 
uh, Rubenesque, plump or fleshy and voluptuous, from Flemish painter Sir Peter Paul Rubens, whose paintings favor that particular female body type, and how nice my life would be uh, if that type of body was still considered beautiful. Although we're getting back to where people can appreciate all body types, so that's nice. Uh, sadism, love of cruelty, from Count Donatian A.F. AF de Sade, a.k.a. the Marquis de Sade. He wrote novels that, according to the Wikipedia article, explored such controversial subjects as rape, bestiality, and necrophilia. He was a proponent of extreme freedom, or at least licentiousness, unrestrained by morality, religion, or law, with the pursuit of personal pleasure being the highest principle. The adjective is sadistic. Uh, and I remember being 17 and going to the movie theater to see Quills with Jeffrey Rush as the Marquis de Sade. And it's a brilliant movie, but my teenage self was uh, pretty pretty shocked at all the things that I had never seen or could even had even imagined could exist. Oh, goodness. Uh, sideburns. Strips of hair at the sides of the face. The word began as burn sides and referred to a style of facial hair that consisted of flaring side whiskers joining in the mustache. The chin was clean-shaven. Named for U.S. Army General Ambrose E. Burnside, who wore them. The word's elements changed places by the process of folk etymology. Tattersall. A pattern of dark lines forming squares on a light background, type of fabric with small and even check pattern. From Richard Tattersall, founder of Tattersall's, a London horse market and gambling rendezvous he founded in 1766. The pattern was a traditional one for horse blankets. Victorian. In one sense, the adjective can refer simply to the period of history that corresponds more or less to the reign of Queen Victoria of Britain, a period during which Britain led the world militarily, industrially, and politically. In another sense, it signifies prudish behavior and social attitudes typical of the time. The phrase Victorian London evokes the image of a city of extremes. On one hand, middle-class morality was so uptight that the word limb was preferred to more graphic words such as leg and arm. I've read that even piano legs were carefully clothed with ruffled coverings for reasons of modesty. On the other hand, abandoned children slept in doorways in slums so depraved that police were afraid to go into them. So, there you have it. Wellingtons Waterproof boots of rubber or sometimes leather reaching to below the knee and worn in wet or muddy conditions. Named for Arthur, first Duke of Wellington, who also in his lifetime had a style of coat, hat, and trousers named for him, as well as varieties of apple and pine trees. And the elephant. Jumbo, meaning unusually large. In the 1880s, Jumbo was an English slang word for clumsy, unwieldy fellow. The famous elephant named Jumbo lived in the London Zoo for 17 years and was a great favorite with the English public. U.S. showman P.T. Barnum bought Jumbo for $10,000 in 1882. Thanks to circus advertising, the name Jumbo became a synonym for huge. 
In those days before animal protection laws, poor Jumbo did not have a happy life. Born in the French Sudan in 1861, he spent some time being exhibited in Paris before going to the London Zoo in 1865. When Barnum offered to buy him, 100,000 English school children wrote to Queen Victoria begging her to stop the sale. To no avail. Read Jumbo's sad story at Wikipedia. Uh, no thank you. I'm going to leave you with that for today because I've got a special surprise episode coming out later this week. It's my special thanks for sticking around even though I sometimes am unable to get episodes out in time. It's a crazy job that I have, to say the least. But one more tidbit before I go. In my research for today's episode, I stumbled across a gem of a website that I just have to plug here www.vocabulary.com. From what I can gather, it's an adaptive learning game that you can sign up for for free and you can add words that you need to learn or just begin from scratch and let it uh, work from you. I am so excited to learn more. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you have questions or comments or ideas, please feel free to email bluestockingpod at gmail.com. And as always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, that would be super helpful as well. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.